Welcome to the Reimagining Defence podcast, brought to you by Lieutenant Colonel Henry Willey and myself, Flight Lieutenant James Coote. Henry and I worked together for two years at the J-Hub, Strategic Command's Innovation Hub. During this time, we, like many others, realised that exponential technologies such as cloud computing and artificial intelligence must become an integral part of Defence's organisational DNA. So this podcast is for the growing number of people in Defence who want to become bilingual in the languages of defence and technology. The thoughts are our own and do not represent the MOD. In these first two episodes, Henry's going to lay the building blocks for the series. Why the ability to think exponentially is as important as the technology itself, and why data is the beating heart of information age defence. In the subsequent five episodes, I'm going to zoom in on cloud computing, automation, artificial intelligence, internet of things, and finally quantum computing, exploring how each of these exponential technologies are fundamentally disrupting organizations worldwide, and how we might harness them to reimagine defense. Let's start with a thought experiment. A standard piece of paper is about 0.01 centimeters thick, but if you fold it eight times, it stacks to just over a centimetre. And that might seem like a fairly big jump after a mere eight folds. If you don't believe me, try it. So here's the question. Imagine folding a single piece of paper 42 times. Do you think it'd be thick enough to cover from London to Manchester or London to Manhattan? Well, the answer is actually neither. On the 42nd folding, it would reach from London to the moon. And on the 43rd, it would go all the way to the moon and back. This paper folding example isn't some surprise discovery made by the Army Origami Club, but rather a way to help us grasp the first and perhaps most important law introduced in this podcast, Moore's Law. This refers to a discovery made by Gordon Moore back in 1958 about computing power increasing exponentially. That is, he observed that his company Intel was doubling the number of transistors per square inch on a computer chip about every 18 months. So we can think of a doubling in computing power as analogous to a fold in a piece of paper. Each iteration causes both the paper and power to get twice as big. So what? Well, computing power has now been doubling for over 60 years, and that means the size of the folds occurring in our generation are gargantuan. For us to try and measure that growth, we're talking about numbers like a quintillion, which is the number one with 18 zeros after it. So as the index of measurement begins to outstrip our intuition, we use things like the moon example as a way of conveying what's going on. We're at the point now where we're starting to see some stuff that is fundamentally different from anything that we've seen before. For example, if you're an American in Phoenix's East Valley right now, you can sign up to the Waymo Early Rider app, where you can hail one of their completely driverless cars to pick you up. That car is available 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and it arrives with 20 million miles of driving experience under its belt. This is something that people are using today. And it gives credence to that line from the science fiction writer, William Gibson, who observed, 
The future is already here. It's just unevenly distributed. The other phenomenal aspect of computing power is that it is getting cheaper each year. There's a great story to illustrate this told by Thomas Friedman in his 2017 book, Thank You for Being Late. In it, he takes a reader back to 1997, when the US developed the most powerful computer in the world, known as ASCII Red. It could process 1.8 teraflops, where a teraflop is a trillion calculations a second. To do this, ASCII Red occupied a space that was only a little smaller than a tennis court. It used as much electricity as 800 houses, and it cost $55 million. Friedman goes on to say that he was playing on the equivalent of the ASCII Red just the other day. It's called the PlayStation 3. Launched in 2006, it fits under a television, runs off a normal power socket, and costs less than 200 quid. He finishes the tale by reflecting that, within a decade, a computer able to process 1.8 teraflops went from something that could only be made by the world's richest government to something a teenager could reasonably expect to find under a Christmas tree. Apply this logic of increasingly more powerful and yet cheaper computing power to drones and smartphones, and you can see how in the future the enemy might be able to develop an ISR brigade on the cheap. And there shouldn't be any reason why we can't reap similar benefits too. In a competitive setting, some people believe that if we miss this ever-accelerating IT wave, no amount of paddling will let us catch it again. To stay on that wave, some say that China's pursuit of AI offers an example of what good looks like here, where their Made in China 2025 plan, they declared their intent to catch America by 2020 and be the global leader for AI by 2030. They seem to be on track. For example, at the world's top computer vision conference held last year, sponsored by Google and Apple, it was a Chinese university's algorithm that won. Interestingly, these computer vision algorithms are all about detection, which makes them dual use, meaning their technology can fulfill both consumer and military needs. So an algorithm that warns a self-driving car of a person suddenly stepping out onto the road could equally warn a remote weapon system of an enemy stepping into arcs. And in case you're wondering what the name of the university was that made the winning algorithm, well, it was the Chinese National University of Defense Technology, which is a top military academy of the People's Liberation Army. As well as talent, China also leaves the biggest data footprint on the planet, with more internet users than the US and Europe combined. To describe this in the context of surveillance, Yitu Technology, which is a Shanghai-based AI company, boasts about honing its award-winning facial recognition on the world's largest portrait system covering more than 1.5 billion people. As we'll learn in the next episode, the advantage of lots of data like this is that it fuels big data analytics, where if the quality of the data is good, those that own the data can use it to draw conclusions or target you with a much greater degree of confidence. Hence why Yitu's system was built for Chinese law enforcement using data collected by the authorities. 
In a competitive setting in the military, being first to harness technology can provide an edge that for us sometimes makes the difference between wars won and wars lost. Take radar, for example, a capability that some might take for granted. But when the US's B-24 long-range bombers were equipped with it for the first time in 1943, it genuinely swung the Battle of the Atlantic. 41 U-boats were detected and sunk that May, which was more in one month than in any of the first three years of the war. By the end of May 1943, nearly a third of the Nazis' operational fleet had been wiped out, and the remainder were forced to dive deep to escape the death charges and gun runs. The German Admiral Dönitz, recognising the inevitable, withdrew his U-boats from the Atlantic, writing at the time, The enemy has achieved his objective, not through his superior tactics or strategy, but through his superiority in the field of science. To be able to realise the potential of such battle-winning science, we need to be clear-eyed about technology's exponential nature and how it is accelerating change. Part of the problem, though, is that our minds are just not wired that way. When we imagine what progress the next 30 years will bring, we tend to look at what has changed during our lifetime and superimpose that rate as a straight line onto the future. Whilst thinking in straight lines is most intuitive for us, it's often wrong. It's why I suspect that most people chose Manchester or Manhattan, and on hearing that a piece of paper folded 42 times actually reaches the moon, met it with disbelief and amazement. As Tim Urban notes in his draw-dropping article on AI, the trick for us is not to think linearly, but exponentially. So to think exponentially, perhaps the first software upgrade we need is for the mind. And that is partly what this podcast hopes to do. Because as John Boyd, the fighter pilot and pioneer of the OODA loop, used to say, people, ideas and technology, in that order. It's why some say digital transformation is therefore 90% about people and only 10% about technology. And with the forthcoming defence review, this point appears not to be lost in number 10 either, where some thought leaders want to build ultra-high-performing cross-functional teams based on the precedent set by military leaders who've done this in the past, such as Groves with the Manhattan Project, Boyd with the Lightweight Fighter Programme, and Shriver with Intercontinental Ballistic Missiles. The argument here is that to build great technology, you must first build great teams, in that order, as it is only the people who can create the conditions for breakthrough technology. Historically, the military outliers that grasp this are often bilingual, where they've worked hard to master the language of both team and tech. Today, those outliers will hear CGS's call to action made at Rusi last year loud and clear, where he said, the revolution in technology requires a revolution in our thinking. This series of seven podcasts hopes to play a small part in both of those revolutions by giving you the bilingual building blocks to build great teams that build great technology. 
We hope you enjoyed this episode, narrated and written by Lieutenant Colonel Henry Willey and edited by myself, James Coote. We'd like to thank AADP, the Army's Advanced Development Programme, and the RAF Medical Services for allowing us the journalistic freedom to create this podcast. The thoughts are our own and do not represent the MOD or these organisations. If you want to delve deeper, you can access the script and references for this podcast by sending a blank email with your rating of the podcast from 0 to 10 in the subject line to readefpod at gmail.com or by checking out our Twitter at readefpod. Just to be clear, readefpod is R-E-D-E-F-P-O-D. For those who want to learn how to code, apply data science, or learn agile project management techniques, check out the J-Hub coding scheme, where you'll get paid up to £500 for learning these skills and have your achievement logged on JPA. Just search J-Hub coding scheme on DefNet. Finally, if this podcast has sparked any ideas for innovative capability that you want to get into the hands of military users, you can submit your ideas via the new GEMS platform found at def-ideas.wazoku.com. Alternatively, reach out directly to DARE for the Navy, Aerial for the Army, RCA for the RAF, or JHUB for STRATCOM, all found by a quick search on DEFNET. If you've enjoyed this episode of Reimagining Defence, We'd be over the moon if you could share it with a friend and leave us a five-star review. Until our next episode on Big Data, take care.